You'll turn in your Bibles this morning again to the Gospel of Mark and to chapter 7. We'll complete our study in the 7th chapter this morning. We'll be looking at verses 31 through 37 of the 7th chapter of the Gospel of Mark. Let's give careful hearing to the reading of this portion of God's Word. Again, he, that's Jesus, went out from the region of Tyre and came through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee within the region of Decapolis. They brought to him one who was deaf and spoke with difficulty, and they implored him to lay his hand on him. Well, Jesus took him aside from the crowd by himself, put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, he touched his tongue with the saliva. And looking up to heaven with a deep sigh, he said, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, and the impediment of his tongue was removed. And he began speaking, speaking plainly. And he gave them orders not to tell anyone. But the more he ordered them, the more widely they continued to proclaim it. They were all utterly astonished, saying, He has done all things well. He makes even the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. And that is the Word of God. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much again for the, the, the great privilege we have of, of reading your Word. What a, what a gift. We thank you for it. We know that it is the light that shines upon our path. We know that it is the truth. We know that it is the water of life, the bread of life. May it be that for us today. Would you quench our thirsty spirits and feed our hungry souls? With this, your word we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, just a moment ago, we sang one of Bill Gaither's more popular songs, He Touched Me. I'm sure most of you have heard it. Many of you have sung it. We've sung it here before. Now, it certainly is not the best Christian song that's ever been written. But it does have a biblical and even somewhat reformed message. Shackled by a heavy burden. Neath a load of guilt and shame. Then the hand of Jesus touched me, and now I am no longer the same. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened. And now I know he touched me and made me whole. Isn't that just about all we can say about our conversion, about the fact that now, even though we once were lost, we're now found, now we, we trust in Jesus Christ alone for our salvation, something happened. You might not know exactly when, and you might not know exactly how, but you see the evidence that you are no longer the same. All you can do is conclude that Jesus touched you. 
and made you whole. See, that describes what we find in our text this morning, I think. Something happened to the man who's the object of Jesus' attention here. And basically what happened is that Jesus touched him. Jesus made him whole. And it's clear that his life was never, ever the same. This morning I want us to think about what I'm going to call the Savior's touch. Now, we don't focus too much on experience around here. We don't talk about our much about our own personal experience or relationship with Jesus. Instead, we focus on Jesus. We focus on him and on who he is and what he's done for us. We finish focus on his finished work for us on the cross, his resurrection from the grave. We, we focus upon how God loved us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for us. We focus on how he has called us to himself by his sovereign grace and how he clothes us in the righteousness of his son that we might have a relationship with him. We focus upon the objective truth of the gospel. But make no mistake about it, there must be a personal side to your faith. There must be a personal experience that you have with Christ. If you are a Christian this morning, then something must have happened to you. If you're a Christian this morning, it's because somehow, in some way, through some means in his word, Jesus touched you. If you're a Christian this morning, it's the fact that Jesus has made you whole. And now, you are no longer what you were. No longer the same. The Savior's touch. What does this text tell us about it? First, there's the man that Jesus saw. Verse 32 tells us they brought to him one who was deaf and spoke with difficulty. This is a man who was deaf and basically dumb. He could not hear and he could barely speak. What he did try to say was muffled and he was a man to be pitied because of his physical limitations. Now, we see in verse 31 where Jesus had been. Again, remember next last week, uh, Jesus had been in the city of Tyre. After ministering around the Galilee area, the Sea of Galilee, towns around it, and Jesus had traveled up to Tyre, to the north and west of the Sea of Galilee. It uh, is a in modern-day Lebanon, it was a highly uh, Greek area. He ministered there for a period of time. Remember, he uh, cast the unclean spirit out of a woman who came and asked him to do that for her. And well, now he's made his way back south again through Sidon, down to the area of the Sea of Galilee, to a region known as the Decapolis. That's a, a Decapolis was ten cities, kind of in a region. Uh, Deca in Greek means ten, polis means city, so it's ten cities. Uh, and Jesus is now ministering in that particular area of the Decapolis, and that's where he meet this, meets this man, a man who obviously had some very real needs. Now, there's a common thread that runs through all the people for whom Jesus performed miracles of healing. 
for the most part, they were quite helpless. You know, if you list all the, the people that Jesus healed, healed the blind, the crippled, the lepers, demon-possessed, those who'd been sick a long time and had never found any relief. Here's a man who is deaf and dumb, a man who could not hear or speak. These people, you see, were helpless, and to a large extent, they were hopeless. That's the way they came to Jesus, or that's the way they were brought to Jesus. And what I want you to see this morning is that's the way all of us come to Jesus. We come to Jesus helpless. And we come to Jesus hopeless. Just like the blind man and the lame and the lepers, we come to Jesus because we cannot help ourselves. You know, what does the old hymn say that they sang at the Billy Graham Crusades? Just as I am. That's the way we come to Jesus. Just as we are. Broken, sinful, helpless, hopeless, looking to him for grace and mercy, looking to him for the help that only he can give. That's how this man was brought to Jesus. He was helpless and he was hopeless. But the second, there's the request that Jesus heard. The, the man was so helpless he couldn't speak for himself. And so those who brought him spoke for him. We find in the verse, end of verse 32, they implored him, that is implored or begged Jesus to lay his hand on him. Now they had probably either seen Jesus heal through that method before, heard of Jesus healing in that method before. You might uh, remember that uh, earlier in this gospel back in chapter 1, a, a leprous man came to Jesus asking to be healed from his leprosy and Jesus did the unthinkable. You see, non-leprous people didn't, didn't have any contact with lepers. But Jesus did the unthinkable. He reached out and touched the leper and healed him. You might recall that back in chapter 5 of the gospel of Mark, there was a synagogue official who came to implore Jesus to to heal his daughter who was very sick and Jesus went there to see her and before he got there she was pronounced dead. But Jesus went and he took her by the hand. He touched her. When he took her by the hand, her life was restored to her. When Jesus went home to Nazareth, you know, uh, prophet is um, noteworthy at every place except his own hometown and the people in Nazareth didn't have much to do with Jesus. We are told that he did lay his hands on a few sick people and healed them. So here, these people come to Jesus and they say, would you lay your hand, would you lay your hand on this man and would you touch him and would you make him well? They knew there's something about the touch of Jesus, something about the touch of Jesus that had this power in it they could heal and restore to life. Well, the third thing we see is the method that Jesus used. And look, it was an extraordinary method. It was unusual, it was unique. Verses 34 and or 33 and 34 describe for us 
the way in which Jesus healed this man. He did six different things as he approached this man and as he healed him. For one, he, he took the man aside from the crowd. The Bible says in verse um, 33, Jesus took him aside from the crowd by himself. Now, we don't know why Jesus did that. Might have been for the man's own sake. Might have been the man was nervous, embarrassed. You know, the Bible says we have a sympathetic Savior. He knows us. And for whatever reason, just Jesus took the man off by himself. It could have been that Jesus just didn't want the notoriety. He didn't want the people uh, to see and to understand what was going on. You know, Jesus always tried to deflect attention away from himself and put it on his father. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. He said, I came not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And so Jesus, for whatever reason, takes this man off away from the crowd and uh, by himself. But also then we see in verse 33, that Jesus put his fingers into his ears. What an odd thing. Perhaps Jesus is communicating with this man with a kind of a sign language. The man is deaf. And Jesus puts his fingers in his ears almost to, to indicate to him, I understand your problem. I'm about to do something to heal you from your problem. And then Jesus did an even more strange thing. That is, he spit. And apparently he spit on his own finger. Then he took his finger with the saliva on it and touched the man's tongue with it. Now, again, it would appear that Jesus is speaking to the man in a nonverbal way. Indicating to the man, I know your problem. You can't hear. I've touched your ears. You can't speak clearly. I've touched your tongue. Now, I realize this is a very odd scene, isn't it? The very idea of Jesus putting his finger or spitting on his finger and then putting his wet finger on the man's tongue is a bit repulsive at first glance. But you know, Jesus did other odd kind of things over in the next chapter in Mark 8. We'll get there in a couple of weeks. A blind man came to Jesus. And again, the people implored Jesus to touch him. But Jesus didn't touch him. Jesus spit on him. He spit in his eyes. In John 9, another blind man was brought to Jesus. And Jesus spit again. This time he spit into the dirt. And he took his finger and he formed some mud. And he took the mud and he smeared it on the man's eyes to heal him. Now those are strange things, aren't they, for Jesus to do. It almost gives you a little sympathy for his family. Who thought at one point he was just, just quite, not quite right. You know, they thought he was deranged. They were going to take him off to get him some help. Who go, what kind of man, you know, goes around spitting in another man's eyes? What, what kind of man spits in the dirt, then takes the mud from it and smears it on a man's eyes? What kind of man spits on his finger and then puts the wet finger on a man's tongue? A deranged man? An odd man? 
No, the God-man, the Son of God. Jesus healed how and when he chose. No one told him how, no one told him when. At different times, Jesus would do different things in different ways. And here he does this. He spits on his finger and puts it on the man's tongue. Then the next thing Jesus did, we find in the text, in the first part of verse 34, is he looked up toward heaven. Why did he do that? You know, all the way through, and I referred to it indirectly a moment ago, all the way through, Jesus had this great sense of dependence upon his Father. And that's what he's doing as he looks to heaven. He's looking for the help of his Father. You know, Jesus always gave the praise and the glory to his Father. He always had this great sense of dependence upon his Heavenly Father. We, we've talked already in, on several occasions as we've seen Jesus pray about Jesus' life of prayer. Why did Jesus pray? It's because he had this sense of dependence upon his Heavenly Father. And here Jesus is about to heal this man who could not hear and could not speak. And before he does, as he does, he looks to heaven to receive the help of his Father. Now let that sink in for a moment. And this is, this is the Son of God depending upon his heavenly Father. And if he is going to do that, if he had that great sense of dependence upon the help of his Father, how much more should we? Look, if you're looking to anything other than God to help you, you're looking to the wrong thing. If you're looking to yourself, your own strength, your own ability, your money, your influence, your prestige, whatever it might be. If you're looking to your husband, your wife, your children, your parents, grandparents, your pastor, a friend, we first look to God. It's what Jesus is doing. He looks to heaven. And then we're told he looked to heaven with a deep sigh. Isn't that an interesting story? All these things Jesus did, putting the, the, his fingers in the man's ears, spitting on, the, on his finger and putting it on the man's tongue, looking up toward heaven, and then this deep sigh, this deep sigh. Jesus was touched by our infirmities. And Jesus is touched by this man's infirmity. Look, Jesus had people coming to him all day, sometimes all night, bring their sick, their afflicted, to him to heal. And it wore on him. And here he's touched with the infirmities of this man and he, he gives out this deep sigh as he deals with this particular man. It shows us not only did Jesus have tremendous power, but Jesus had a tender heart. Look, we have a compassionate Savior who understands our difficulties, our problems, our needs. And here he so clearly understands this man's problems that he 
lets out this deep sigh. Then finally, Jesus spoke, just said in Aramaic, one word, Ephatha, which as the text says, is translated, means be opened. Look, no great fanfare, no drama, no great scene. It's just Jesus and his man, fingers in his ears, finger on his tongue, and Jesus says, be open. And the fourth thing we see is the miracle that happened. When Jesus said, be open, that's exactly what took place. Verse 35 tells us this, his ears were opened and the impediment of his tongue was removed and he began speaking plainly. You see, the miracle happened at once. The healing was immediate. His ears were opened so he could hear. His tongue was loosened so he could speak. The one who could not hear now can hear. The one who could not speak clearly can now speak plainly. This man who had lived in silence could hear. This man who couldn't communicate can now speak. What he had not been able to do, he now could do. Again, what do we see here? We see the blend of God's compassion and power. We see it reflected in Jesus. And my prayer this morning reflected those two attributes. His great power and might. God is all powerful. And yet he is a compassionate God. His son, the Lord Jesus, was the same way. He was a man of great power because he was the son of God. He could calm the winds and the waves. He could take a little boy's sack lunch and feed thousands of people with it. He could walk on the water. Do all these mighty, powerful things. And yet he was full of compassion. And we see that blend here as he powerfully heals this man of his affliction and he does it because of his great compassion. If you're a believer this morning, you've experienced those two things. You've experienced the power of God in your life. Salvation is a work of God where he takes our hardened hearts and gives us a new heart. He gives us new life. And why does he do that? Because of his compassion. Why did God send Jesus anyway? John 3.16, God so loved the world. He had such compassion for the world. He had such compassion for us that he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This deaf man, this dumb man who couldn't speak was touched by the power of Jesus as a result of the compassion of Jesus. He was made whole and he was never the same. There's there's an interesting kind of parabolic meaning here to me. Because the Bible indicates that apart from Christ, we are spiritually deaf. We can't hear the gospel message. Many of you have experienced that. You sat under preaching for years, years, and never really heard 
until what happened? God opened your ears and enabled you to hear the good news of the gospel. And as a result of that, you were touched by the Savior and you were made whole. And now you are no longer the same. Well, in the fifth place, we see the command that Jesus gave and we've seen him, him give it before, but it does seem still like a strange command. Verse 36, he gave them orders not to tell anyone. Jesus knew there was a time for everything. And he knew that he didn't want more exposure at this particular time. And so, you know, that's partly why he took this man off by himself. And now he tells those who may not have seen what he did, but saw the effects of what he did, please don't tell it. Basically he said, shh, be quiet. Don't tell anyone what you saw. And I think the, the, the Bible indicates that he didn't just tell them once. He kept imploring them because it tells us the more wide, the more he ordered them, the more widely they continued to proclaim it. You see, that's what we see in the last place. These people couldn't contain themselves. They had seen the mighty power of Jesus. They witnessed his great compassion and they could not keep it to themselves. They saw this man who was deaf and dumb, a man who could not hear or speak, now be able to do both. And the Bible says they were utterly astonished, verse 37, saying he does all, has done all things well, even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. They were overwhelmed, overwhelmed by what he had done. I'm near the end of it for myself. Maybe I'm struck with a guilty conscience sometimes. I'm struck that we have lost, I think, this sense of astonishment at the power and the compassion of Jesus. It becomes all too familiar. You kind of take it as something normal when it's not. We see people's lives changed and we fail to be astonished by what has happened. But it's just as great a miracle, if not more, than what happened to this man when Jesus healed and the people were utterly astonished. He said, he does all things well. He causes the deaf to hear, the dumb to speak. There ought to be a sense of astonishment among us that, that this person's life has been changed. That this person has been made whole. This person is no longer the same. Jesus touched him. And my, look. Look among us. See the difference that God makes in us, through us, among us. Be astonished. Be astonished at what God does. But God has done so much in this church. We have so much for which to be thankful, so much for which to praise Him. And God's going to do so much more through the ministry of this church. Never, ever take it for granted. Be astonished. The mighty power and the compassionate touch of our Savior. Let's pray.
Lord God, thank you so much for this man who was brought to Jesus helpless and hopeless, who was brought to him the same way we are, who was touched by him, who was made whole, whose life was changed. And because of it, the people were astonished. May we be the same, astonished at what you've done for us and through us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.